For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? This is Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens here, a.k.a. T.O. Get your popcorn ready. Do a favor. Leave my guy Connor a five-star rating after the show. Listen to it. uh, Give him some feedback. And also, if you want to listen to my podcast as well, uh, check it out. Subscribe, share. Uh, You know, you don't need to leave a five-star rating. You know, uh, we're five-star. I'm five-star all the time. Uh, My podcast is called Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch. Uh, Again, Check out both of those podcasts, and hey, check it out, listen, and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, you're either on YouTube, you're on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook Live. We greatly appreciate it. Our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Cross, is in the house. Ed, wow. It's been some tough sledding for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. So I just want to start off with saying I watched that press conference with Doug Peterson today. I love how they end the presser with your question of offensive line, and he <laughs> he gives the most like yeah, prior did some things good, didn't do some things great. Uh, yeah. Doesn't really go much into anything else other than that. I mean, Doug Peterson did not want anything to do with the media, yourself included, today at all. I mean, yeah. what's yeah. what's up with him, man? I mean, the excuses, too. He's making excuses that, like, a Super Bowl-winning coach should be making. I mean, everybody's going through the same circumstances that the Philadelphia Eagles are going through. So for him to sit at that press conference and – I mean, drop these excuses about the not having enough time, two weeks. Look, I understand they have new playmakers. I understand there's new skill players on offense. I understand there's new coaches in there. But, I mean, he's been the head coach for the team for a while, ever since they drafted Carson Wentz. The, the continuity in the major positions is there for the Philadelphia Eagles. The, the excuses aren't flying right now, my God. No, but they, they don't flush, that's for sure. But, you know, the Monday press conference was all about Carson Wentz. Uh, as it should be, I guess. I mean, I think there were maybe three or four other questions that weren't Carson Wentz related. Uh, and his answers just aren't good enough about this, the excuses of, uh, you know, new personnel, new coaches, two and a half weeks isn't enough time to get ready. But all 32 teams operated under the same guidelines and protocols. They all, every year you have a different roster that you're working with. Um, it's just not a good excuse, but I, you know, it could be just that Doug is trying, you know, he's a player's coach. He's trying to protect his players. He doesn't want to come right out and say, you know, Carson Wentz is really struggling right now. He, uh, does not look good. He's on a short leash. You know, he doesn't want to say any of that stuff and, and it's hard to blame him for that, but, 
you know, Bill Belichick handles it the right way and just kind of grunts and shrugs his shoulders and next question, next question. Mm -hmm. Um, But Doug's not like that. You know, he tries to give you the best answer that he possibly can, and um, it's just not good enough. And you can see right through uh, these, these excuses that he's throwing out at us. In your opinion, what's up with Carson Wentz? I mean, he's been so inaccurate. I, I told you off the air, I'm waiting for this this groin injury that he suffered in training camp news to drop that it's it's uh, hindering his play, uh, that it's not fully healed. I'm waiting for that to drop. What What's going on? I mean, the inaccuracy. I've, I haven't seen him be this inaccurate in his entire career this long of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. You know, anything's on the table uh, with Carson as far as what the reason is. It could be, like you said, maybe it's going to be that groin issue that he – uh, that kept them from practicing a couple days there uh, the week before the wet, uh, Washington game. It could be that just that he's not comfortable with Jalen Hurts being on this team and the drafting of Jalen Hurts second uh, in the second round. Um, it could just be that he's not comfortable in the pocket uh, behind that offensive line. He's getting hit a lot. Um, you know, at least he did in the opener. He didn't get touched hardly at all on, on uh, Sunday against the Rams, but in Washington, he got knocked around a lot. Uh, it could be that there's so many coaches now in different roles and maybe too many different voices are trying to communicate what he's supposed to do. Um, Scangarello, we talked about with him, his mechanics. Did he try to do anything mechanically? And Carson did spend a lot of time working on his mechanics in the offseason. Maybe he's uh, trying to change some things in those in that regard. But I mean, anything is on the table here, Connor, as far as what, what's ailing Carson. And if I had the answer to what it was, I'd certainly, you know, email Doug with the, uh, with the reason and, and give him a hand. But uh, I don't really know if there's one reason or what that reason is. And I, I'm not sure Doug knows either uh, from the sound of things today. I, he sounded, you know, pretty flustered. I mean, you saw his, his press conference. He kind of sighed a lot, you know, he was like, you know, and he kind of st- slowly started answers. Like, he, he has no idea either, I don't believe. My thing is, uh, a lot of tw- people on Twitter are seeing it's – it seems like some people are starting to think this theory of Jalen Hurts being on the team, being drafted, is starting to get into Carson's mind. But, I I mean, he had Nick Foles as a backup is that won the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP – uh, was still on the team the year after and even led the team to the playoffs after Carson was removed from the starting lineup for the back injury. I I, I fail to think that this is the Jalen Hurts is the reason why Carson Wentz is playing bad. I don't I don't think Jalen Hurts is affecting Carson Wentz's uh mentality right now. But I mean something's gotta give. I I'm interested to see look at Cincinnati, they actually have a pretty good pass rush. They have Geno Atkins, they have Carl Lawson over there. They just signed DJ Reader this offseason who stuffs the run. They can't they cannot take Cincinnati lately. Carson Wentz has to play well this game. Yeah. He has to come back and, and just silence the critics. I mean, because we're we're all looking at him like, what's going on? And then Doug Peterson, uh, like you just said, I, I don't know. Do you think him and Carson are on the same page? Do you think do you think Doug Peterson do you think he can ring Carson in right now is really what I'm asking. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it was interesting to hear his answer to a question today about communication and how he communicates with Doug and does – or with Carson. And does he need to um, try a different approach? And, you know, he, he doesn't want to have, he said, a contentious relationship between play caller and quarterback. So 
I don't know if there's communication issues, if Carson's not telling him what he sees when he comes off the field, if what he is voicing in the you know these game plan meetings that they have during the week is uh, is being you know properly conveyed. I, I you know it could be a communication issue, and you know it sounds like Doug's almost kind of got the gloves off and he's handling this as like you know in a very kid friendly way. Like he doesn't want to make any waves with Carson, um, so it could be a communication issue. His points just aren't going through. Maybe Carson's trying to do too much. He said today, Doug did, that he just wants him to be, be Carson again. You know, so I don't know what Carson's going through. I mean, I know he's, you know, he's married. He's got the kid now on the home front. I mean, listen, it's all speculation. We don't know. Carson will talk to us, I think, Wednesday. He won't tell us much either, probably. But uh, everything is on the table, like I said. And there's just so much speculation. And I, as far as Jalen Hurts and this rumor or whatever, this conjecture that that's the issue, I – you know, you would hope that Carson Wentz is a little bit more mentally tougher than worrying about, you know, some rookie uh, coming in and standing there shadowing you, waiting for you to fail. Uh, you would hope that he's more mentally stronger than that. And and I assume that he is. I don't think it has to do with Hertz being on this team. But um, let's face it, you know, Hertz was drafted in the second round for a reason. And um, we may see why if, if things continue along the, you know, this path and we're far from that point, I would think, but, you know, listen, if this team's sitting there at three and eight or whatever, three and nine and Carson's just not playing well, then maybe you say, Hey, let's see what the rookie has, you know, let's see, let's see what we have here. Um, but again, we're so far from that point and it would be such a huge uh, controversy if Doug were to go that route, if this team continues to struggle to win games. Do you think there's any disconnect between Howie Roseman and this coaching staff? Do you think there's anything off there at all? Uh, not that I've really seen. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. There, there could be maybe a little bit of a wedge with the Zach Ertz contract stuff. You know, I know Doug wants to keep Zach Ertz on this team, and Howie Roseman probably doesn't, although I think they're going to try. I mean, we've talked about Zach Ertz, you know, over and over again, but you know, you wonder if that has kind of driven a little bit of a wedge between the front office and the locker room because Doug is the player's coach and he's going to take the player's side. And and him coming out and saying, I'm all for whatever a player can get being a former player, you know, that probably ruffles some feathers in the front office hearing your coach talk like that. But uh, I haven't heard anything along those lines uh, that there's any kind of a disconnect or any kind of, uh, you know, trouble between the two elements. I just, I don't think there is, but maybe the front office isn't happy with the approach Doug's taken on the whole Zach Ertz thing. He's clearly in Zach's corner uh, when maybe the front office prefers him to remain a little bit more neutral uh, with these contract talks. That's fair. I, it's just, they bring in these guys to the draft. They, they trade for Gennard Avery inactive. They, they get JJ Arcega Whiteside. The coaching staff struggles to u- utilize him whatsoever. They draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. I'm, I I don't know if Doug makes that pick. If he had, that's his decision. If he would say, "Go ahead and take the quarterback there," so that's why I asked that question. And not only that, what really drove that question for me is you're listening to the press conference today. Somebody asked him the question of, "Does he feel the pressure from the front office to get Jalen Hurts on the field?" And he quickly goes, "No, no." Yeah. Like it the the abruptness in saying no right away like that. And the way he said it, maybe I'm like, 
Yeah, Is something you, going on there. You, you could you could read into that what you want. I mean, I just think it was him just dismissing the question. That was I think it was Rob Motti from the AP that asked that question. But um, yeah, Doug shut that down pretty quick. And you know what? That's that's what Bill Belichick does, and that's what you know. Maybe he needs to do a little bit more of that as far as you know these this excuse making. Just you can you can see right through it. Uh, but again, Doug doesn't want to have that kind of relationship like with the media. You know, he'd rather lie and tell half truths than you know, just shut you down completely. I mean, that's not the way he operates. So, but maybe he needs to a little bit. Maybe when he's asked about Zach Ertz, just say, you know what, that's how he's job front office. Next question. Um, you know, a little bit more like that, that maybe we'd all get a question. And I know on these zoom calls, it's awfully tough to get called on. You know, you have like, you know, 50 people on these things and, you know, everybody's got their hand raised to get called on and you can't get to everybody. But, uh, I would have liked to have heard a little bit more talk other than Carson Wentz today. I know Wentz is a big issue, and Doug really doesn't have a lot to do with the defense. But, you know, there was questions about Jason Peters, and, you know, he looked a little better, I guess, than he did in week one. And just that line, is, is Matt Pryor going to start uh, at the left uh, tackle or left guard spot now that Isaac Ciamalu is out, or is Jamon Brown going to step in there? I mean, we just – there's a lot of things that I would like to know. And Darius Slay got hurt yesterday. He went out of the game. Uh, what's his injury status? We never got into any of that, so – um, it'd be nice if we could all get some questions in, but, uh, you know, today was kind of monopolized with Carson and there's only so many ways you can say he's struggling, um, and tell the truth about it. There's a question from Dakota that we'll hit real quick. Cause I was going to address linebackers in the show, but since he's already on here asking, we'll just do it right now. He's asking if there's any open tryouts for linebacker. And he says he thinks he has more football sense than our current court does. <laughs> a lot of people are not a fan of linebackers. I mean, Nate Gary played awful. He just played downright awful. Yeah. The defense is is undervaluing the linebacker position. Does that have is that have a potential to catch up to them this season? Well, when you have a converted safety from college in his what is it third year uh, mm-hmm. starting at linebacker, I mean, yeah, that that could catch up to you. Um, but just that defense in general, I mean, yeah, the linebackers Nate Gary couldn't cover a tight end to save his life, and what are what are they going to do when they? go to San Francisco in two weeks and have to play George Kittle. Um, I mean, that's a big task. If you can't cover Tyler Higby and Nate Gary couldn't, that's a problem. Uh, he, he was very undisciplined, but that whole defense was. And you have to look at the back end, like Rodney McLeod, was he able to communicate and get guys lined up? I mean, it just seemed like there were guys that weren't in position uh, that were over-pursuing on the play action or biting on the play action and Jared Goff just rolls out to his right or left, whichever way he goes with the play action, and, and it's an easy throw for him. There's nobody covering the tight end running wide open or, or Cooper Cup running wide open. Uh, just It was just bad overall. And, the, yeah, the linebackers are in the spotlight because Gary was on the scene twice on Higby touchdown passes, couldn't cover him, uh, was out of position, getting lost and swallowed up by blockers. Um, but, yeah, if, if listen, if uh, Dakota can tackle – you know, he may want to send a resume down there to Howie if he's got the common sense, but now you got to know how to tackle too. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I don't know Dakota, but if he can, you know, send your resume down to Novacare. <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of fans are claiming for Nigel Bradham to be back too. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. see that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I think the die is cast here. I mean, listen, uh, why not give your rookies a shot to at least try to cover a linebacker? They're athletic. Uh, Davion Taylor is still pretty raw, but I think Sean Bradley, I think he could find a role on this yeah, team. Thank you. So um, that's what everybody's talking about. Davion Taylor. I, from a person that watched, cause I did watch his Colorado tape a lot. That guy's not ready. 
if they throw him out there now, they're gonna they're gonna lose him because yeah. he's not gonna be able to play in this league at this point. But Sean Bradley, I would like to see him. I would like to see him out there. It can't be much worse than Duke Riley and Nate, Nate Gary. No, I mean, look, look at the Chargers linebacker. I'm not the Chargers. The Rams linebacker yesterday, Micah Kaiser. Uh, he was a, a, a fifth round draft pick uh, in 2018, just two years ago. His rookie year, he played 16 games. He's six one, two forty, not real big. He made 16 tackles yesterday, and and he was the one that forced the fumble on Miles Sanders. I mean, here's a guy that was a fifth round pick. I mean, yeah. listen, you have to trust your players uh, that Howie is drafting for better or worse. If you're Doug, say, okay, uh, Howie, we, we drafted him. We're going to throw him out there and we're going to play him. And let's see what he does. Let's see if your, your scouting staff was right. I mean, to me, Sean Bradley really had a pretty decent camp. I mean, I know he's young, he's a rookie, but you have to trust him sooner or later. Look at the safety, the chart or the Rams. I keep calling the chargers. I don't know why, but the Rams have uh, a safety in uh, Jordan Fuller. He was a sixth round pick just this past spring, two rounds after Kayvon Wallace got picked, and he had nine tackles. In the season opener, his rookie debut, he led the Rams in tackles. I mean, these are late round picks that the Rams have hit on, and we haven't seen uh, the Eagles. I know they put Casey Tuhill in there yesterday, the seventh round pick at defensive end, had 22 snaps, didn't show up on the stat sheet, didn't really show up in my binoculars either from the press box. But, I mean, they played him. That's good. Got some experience. We'll see where it goes from here. But you have to put these guys on the field. If your if your first unit guys aren't getting the job done, like Nate Gary, then let's let's throw a rookie in there. Let's see what let's see what Sean Bradley can do. I don't know um, why they're hesitant to do it. He's athletic. He's fast. He can. I think he could cover tight ends better than Gary. I mean, it's a low bar. Let's see what he's got. I'm with you on that one completely. And another thing you just raised that I thought about the whole entire game is when I saw Marcus Epps line up a dime. Oh, oh man. Oh, man, I don't care what Jim Schwartz said this training camp. Kayvon Wallace should be out there. Kayvon Wallace is a solid tackling safety. And yep. we don't know what the – and like you just said, they the the Rams trust this Kaiser, who I barely even knew. No, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I barely even knew going into that game. Me and neither. then Jordan Fuller, I remember him from the draft, but uh, he was everywhere over the <laughs> ball. Kayvon Wallace cannot be worse than what Marcus Epps was in time because I watched that play yesterday where he completely lost Cooper Cup. I don't yeah. know what he was looking at. He he caught complete, he turned his head completely to the offense and looked back at the deep secondary. But that's that's a guy out of position though, Ed. That's not yeah. a guy you put in dime. So I know Will Parks would have been that guy there. Right. But I mean, come on, man. Kevon Wallace is your fourth round pick. You hyped him up. I understand what Jim Schwartz said about rookies, but Marcus Epps doesn't have much more experience than Kevon Wallace. Yeah, and it's funny because Doug said we're going to have to count on our rookies. You know, initially he said we're going to we're you're going to have to lean on our veterans to start the season because the rookies won't be ready. But then you know, two weeks later he's talking about yeah, we're going to have to lean on these rookies. So let's start leaning on them. Let's throw them out there. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts gets in for three plays. I know Jalen Rager's had a big role uh, these last two weeks, but you know, we haven't seen anything from Taylor. He played eight special team snaps on Sunday. Uh, Bradley couldn't get in on the defense. He was 15 special team snaps. Same as Wallace recovered a big fumble on special teams. Kayvon did, but yeah, let's, let's, let's roll these guys out there. Um, let's see what they have. I mean, that it's time. It's time. You're Owen two. you're playing the Bengals. Let there be some accountability on this team and let's sit some of these guys and see what the rookies can do. If you're going to lose, you're going to lose. All right. So you're Owen three. Uh, listen, I, I just think that it, it could be the time to throw some of these guys out there and let them sink or swim. So I was called irrational for thinking some of these points that you're making. 
it's time to start benching some players is basically what you're saying. It's time to start making some changes in that starting lineup, tinkering yeah. that a little bit. All right, right, so I do that. I do it with Nate Gary, which you obviously would too. Anybody else you're thinking that you think needs to come off the, the field? Uh, well, you know, did you see Javon Hargrave do anything on Sunday? I mean, he played 25 snaps. I, 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 I know it's his first time in. That's uh, why, but it's a whole new system too. It's not just know, that it's his first time in. It's a whole new uh, – I don't want to kill him yet, but, yes, I will say – I was a, very disappointed in the whole entire defensive line, not just him. But yeah, well, how about Derek the, Barnett? I mean, Josh Sweat looked very active on uh, Sunday. Um, Derek Barnett, I know. I think he had a one quarterback hit. He had a tackle. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, guys, that you could sit. Um, you're not going to sit Rodney. I mean, Jalen Mills is this safety thing really working out? I mean, he just seemed like he was lost too. Um, but who are you going to throw out there? You're going to put Kayvon Wallace in a starting role. I mean, I'm fine with Wallace as your third safety until Will Parks gets back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of your options are kind of limited with who you can uh, park on the bench. Um, Especially yeah. with all these injuries now, because it's looking like Pryor's probably going to be left guard or Jamal well, I don't know, but that, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, like you said, I asked Doug the question, and he wasn't exactly glowing about the, the game Pryor had. Yeah, um, there, there's something there. We're, we're not yeah, seeing so. it. There's got, it's got to be in practice. I guess. I mean, I didn't think he did that bad. I mean, the line didn't skip a beat when Siamalu went out. They didn't give up a sack. They gave up very few pressures. Aaron Donald had his worst game statistically, according to Pro Football Focus, since 2016. I mean, they did a good job, that offensive line. I don't know how you can make any changes at this point. You go with Herbig and and you roll with Pryor. And if he struggles, then you have Jamon Brown sitting there. But, you know, he he protects Carson. But then when it comes to Matt Pryor, he's, you know, well, he missed some calls and you know, that's part of being a backup. <laughs> it's just, you know, he, he didn't protect Pryor at all, but he protected Carson and, and what he had to say about Carson's struggles. And I don't even think Carson Wentz has a fra- – like, I know this is off topic. I don't think Carson Wentz has a fragile, like, ego. I don't think you have to coddle Carson Wentz. I don't understand why that's the approach. I mean, I as much as we always kill the fans for being too much of a homer, they're teaching them to be that way with the way that they coddle Carson Wentz. I mean, I, I know Carson, I know Doug did was criticizing him, but it's not to the point. Like you just said, it's like Matt Pryor, he no confidence in Matt Pryor. Yeah. Uh, and then they and coddle then, JJ it's like a white side. Like yeah, crazy. How about that? And and then you see like Bruce Arians down in Tampa, the opener after Tom Brady struggled, how he called out Tom Brady, you know, a legend for I having prefer a that. bad game. I, yeah. I think that's good. Right. That challenges me. When I go to work and my boss tells me I didn't do a good job, that challenges me to, to do a good job. I don't know if this approach is working with Carson Wentz because, I mean, if he goes out and he's lackluster against the Cincinnati, uh, you got to start ripping into him if you're the coach. That's on coaching. And at that point, if you're letting your quarterback be this erratic for now f- almost three games in a row since I think the first half against Washington, he was pretty good. But other than that, I mean – yeah, yeah, it's well, it's yikes. But this is a good question right here. If the Eagles lose this week, are we going into meltdown mode? Uh, if they start zero three, I think it's you got to start panicking even more. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't want to see you panic right now because again, last year this team was one and two at the end of this week. So I don't want to say I'm panicking right now, especially with that extra playoff spot. I think they can make it at nine and seven if they do go nine and seven. But if they lose to Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's third game in the NFL, Zach Taylor, who's not a good coach. Uh, yes, I think it's time to start sweating big time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it's 
the good thing, I guess, is the NFC stinks again, right? I mean, the Giants lost Saquon Barkley, Washington. Uh, we saw how bad they were against the Cardinals. They're very offensively challenged. The Eagles gave that game away with the turnovers. Um, and then the Cowboys, you know, needed some miracle onside kick to complete a comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, it's a very mediocre NFC East. But, you know, what's what's your uh, longevity in the playoffs if you're sitting there at 9-7? and seven? Now, if you're hitting your stride at the right time, which the Eagles were kind of last year when they won those four in a row, and then Wentz gets hurt with the concussion and they bring in, you know, Josh McCown and, uh, you know, everything goes down the tubes from there in that playoff game. But, you know, they were hitting their stride uh, last year late and then the injury thing happened. So, you know, if you're sitting there nine and seven, I mean, listen, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but um, at 0 and three in the NFC East, listen, you can panic if you want, but I would say, you know, stay strong, (laughs) you know, hang in there because the NFC East is not that good and they just have to win those games. They can beat the giants twice. They got to beat the Redskins. They split with Dallas. I mean, you you never know. And I hate, I, I didn't mean to call them that, but the Washington football team, uh, if you, if you split with them. So, I mean, no, I, I'm not going to be ready to panic if they can fall to 0 and three, but I'll be pretty if they, darn if they were If they were playing the Ravens this week, I wouldn't panic. But if they lose to the Bengals though, yeah, the team that had the first overall pick, I mean, they yeah. were, I, I will say they cannot play down to them though. Joe, Joe Burrow is legit. He's playing like an NFL quarterback right now. Yeah. They yeah, have, they have the offensive skill players to, really wreak havoc on the Eagles. And I did, I think they have some players on defense, their linebacking core. They took all their linebackers in this past draft and they're contributing mightily. Akeem Davis Gaither, who the Eagles took Davion Taylor over, which I didn't understand at the time, mm-hmm. uh, is dominating for them. They have Logan Wilson as well. Uh, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Bengals. Granted, the I don't the think Bengals have struggled team. with have, is stopping a run. They can't stop the run. Uh, mm-hmm. and so listen, the Eagles really leaned on Miles Sanders. And again, you only had two backs carrying the ball, Miles and, and, uh, Boston Scott, but, um, you're going to have to run the ball and you're going to have to take the pressure off course. And again, he threw it 42 times. It's a lot. Um, I know they ran the ball 26 times. You know, I'd like to see them get that around 30, uh, running the ball, uh, and and that's really going to have to be how you beat this team is to run the ball, maybe keep Burrow and A.J. Green and some of those other offensive weapons, Joe Mixon on the bench, uh, while you eat up some clock, um, and, and use Deshaun Jackson in the first half. I mean, that was another oh, curious man. thing was, was where was Deshaun in the first half? I'm, I'm looking like, yeah, he's playing, but they're not throwing him the ball. I, I mean – yeah. There was no deep shots. I don't know if it was something that Rams were doing, but there was no – like we saw them fall in love with the deep ball against Washington this week. They don't throw a deep pass. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it because I I don't understand why they have this view of the veterans can just get into this rhythm automatically. They thought Jason Peters can get into a rhythm left, left tackle automatically. They thought Zach Ertz could get into a rhythm – Rhythm week one in the second half automatically after not even using him the entire first half, basically the whole entire game. And then Deshaun Jackson this week, they never use him, use him in the first half. Don't target him at all. And then yeah. the second half, they come out at halftime, and then they try to game plan the whole entire offense through him. And that's when, the, that's when they started rolling too. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's when I they moved the ball right down the field, and then Carson threw the interception to Jay, going for J.J. I mean, but uh, Deshaun – showed up on that drive and he showed up on a couple other drives, but they just, those mistakes hurt them. 
Uh, you know, they get into these fourth downs, and it doesn't look like they have any clue what they're doing. Carson's throwing in the double coverage. Um, it's just it's, right now it's a mess. And, you know, I, there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of reasons for it. But, ah, man, it's just tough to watch this defense play the way it's been playing also. I mean, is this finally the time that we start looking at Jim Schwartz and we start warming up that seat? I know it's oh, I know it's it's such an early reaction. It's oh and two. I don't like starting this off that way, but I mean you invested so much in that defensive line. They're not living up to par. They gave you the defensive line coach that you begged for in your own pal, Matt Burke. They they do all their personnel decisions the way Jim Schwartz wants them to be done. He has all say over that personnel. He tells yeah. Howie who they bring in. Is there when do they start considering his job to start being a little shaky? Yeah, he's the head coach of the defense, and he's going to talk to us on Tuesday. Uh, you know, we'll see. You know, what kind of answers he has, but uh, yeah, I mean, I sure it, this could be this, the year that it's the hot seat. Um, it, it's just you know, and here's something that I was thinking about during the game was it was so you know there wasn't the fans, and you know how this Eagles defense always plays pretty well at home for the most part, and mm-hmm. they really feed off of that crowd. They're always you know, trying signaling the crowd to, you know, turn up the noise and get louder and stuff like that. And to not have that, you wonder how much that affected them was their first game at home. You know, I know it sounds like an excuse, but, um, you know, they just didn't seem to have that, that, you know, that same energy that the fans usually get help give them. Uh, and they feed off of that. So I don't know if that's something they're still adjusting to. And, you know, now that they've seen what it's like, now they have Cincinnati, maybe they'll, have to find that extra motivation somehow amongst themselves. But, you know, that could be a reason. But, yeah, not to absolve Schwartz of any any blame here because, you know, he has to adjust. He has to understand his personnel better. Um, th- this love affair with Nate Gary, I think, has to kind of stop and they have to try to find someone else that can play uh, in there. You know, maybe T.J. Edwards gets more of a role. You know, the offseason, everybody talked about how, he was really going to be the guy that steps up and he hasn't played more. You know, I think he had 29 snaps uh, against the Rams. He, he had 20, I think in the season opener. I mean, maybe it's time to give him more of a role uh, and look at seeing what he can do in coverage and, and in stopping the run because um, you know, to me, you know, Nate Gary was a big liability on that field yesterday. Huge liability. This is actually a good question right here. Such a mistake letting Jenkins go. That was the heart and soul of the team and a leader. Do you think they're missing Malcolm Jenkins right now? Yeah, I thought about that too. I mean, sure, I think they're missing him. Uh, you know, I think the communication level alone, you know, I think he was good at getting the defense lined up and against a team like the Rams that gives you a lot of different uh, formations to look at, a lot of different movement, a lot of eyewash as it's called. Um, you know, I think Malcolm would have done a good job getting guys lined up and held them accountable and, and Rodney just – for some reason, he, he couldn't communicate where to get the defense lined up, or Nate Gary couldn't do it either. He's the one with the headset in his helmet. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. Well, Doug wouldn't even Malcolm. give a definitive answer to that. Doug wouldn't even get. I, I uh, remember Jeff McLean asked that question, and Doug scooted around that as fast as he could. He says, well, it depends who, who, who you ask, who, what the, the play is. It could be. Yeah, a lot of Dane, communication in there. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, you are just dancing around this media stuff. <laughs> well, if, if that if that's really the right answer, then then that then it's a mess because it's not that, working. Yeah. It's too confusing. I mean, if he if he's not you know pulling our leg on that or trying to conceal something, then shame on them for letting it be so confusing. I mean, you have to have one communicator out there, one person that has the last say uh, on where people should be 
before the ball is snapped. And, and you know, Malcolm was that guy. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think they're missing Malcolm. Would he have made a difference yesterday uh, in the outcome? I don't know. I mean, one guy making a difference is a lot when you have, you know, 11 guys on the field at once. But um, he certainly would have helped, I think. Um, uh, they probably win I mean, Washington, too, if he's out there. They miss Malcolm from a tackling standpoint. He was their best tackler on that team. They do not have – a good tackler on this team right now. That's the unfortunate part. I love Roddy McLeod, misses a ton of tackles. Nate Gary, known for missing a ton of tackles. Jalen Mills missed it whiffed a couple times and runs uh defense yesterday and with his tackles. Uh-huh. They don't have a solid tackler on this team right now. And that's no. where Malcolm Jenkins where I think is missed because again, this is a guy who gets a hundred plus tackles every year. Yeah. I thought Josh other than Sweat that, was pretty good as a tackler. I thought Sweat made some good tackles yesterday. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on, talking to the back. I'm uh, yeah, the right, back. the athletic guys, not those big guys up front. I, yeah. I agree. But I, I think they just missed Jenkins' communication too. I just think he there wasn't an offense that he hasn't seen. He knows how to get to his guys. He's, you know, He was a respected guy. He was a good communicator. And I just think the communication issue is a real big issue because he's not there. It was an issue last year too, though. That's that's I, I agree with you because I think it's less last year than it is already this year to start off because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of blown coverages already in Washington and uh, yesterday. But I mean, we've seen it. We not has been a part of it for years with us with blown coverages, and it does have to do with cornerback play. It's a shame that when the Eagles finally get a true number one corner in Darius Slay, Malcolm Jenkins isn't here to enjoy it finally. Uh, but. Yeah, I, well, we get to I, watch him later tonight, you know, with the Saints against the Raiders, uh, Monday Night Football. So we'll, you know, we'll at least get to see him and see what we're missing. I, I you know, I don't know what he did in the opener. I didn't really check it out, but, uh, you know, he, I'm sure he's helping the Saints for sure. Right. He, he made a good business decision to go to a stack secondary, too, because it's not like he's with the Eagles anymore. That, that They have, t- from top to bottom, they're good at every position in that secondary right now yeah. in New Orleans. So good for him. But, uh, I, it's something that you said I thought was interesting too. You don't think Jalen Mills is working out at safety so far? Uh, what was that? I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. You don't think Jalen Mills is working out at safety so far? Oh, Jalen Mills. Um, no, I think it's a big work in progress still. Um, I think I, I, he's always good against run defense. I, I think you could say even from a corner, he when he recognizes run out of the backfield instinctively. Other than that, yeah, I haven't seen anything to really hold my hat on. Yeah, and yesterday I didn't see a whole lot of instincts on the run game too. I mean, he seemed to get kind of caught up with the blockers. He didn't do a good job getting off blocks to, uh, you know, make tackles. Um, yeah, he whipped on that Daryl Henderson big run. Yeah, he whipped on him back. and that yeah. was that was a huge play. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that comes right after the Eagles decide to take the three points and not the penalty and go for it on fourth and would have been fourth and three at the 10 had they taken it. But Doug kept the points on the board, counting on your defense to – to make a stop. And then Daryl Henderson runs for 40 yards and all of a sudden they're in field goal position. So um, just that was a bad play all around. And it started with Mills. Mills has to make that tackle. And I, you know, I don't know if he'll ever get it. You hope again, game two, no preseason, no OTAs. I know that's what Doug says with some of these guys, but in Mills's case, we he's transitioning to a new position. It's going to take time. You know, it's going to take a couple weeks to get it right. All right, so Ed Cross gets hired as the Philadelphia Eagles general manager. He gets to make the decisions of how he takes over this current team right now. They're 0-2. He's in the trenches. How does Ed fix the Philadelphia Eagles? What does he do? <laughs> what does he do first? How does he fix this mess? Um, 
and I still have like seventy million dollars that I have to tra- trim off my payroll to get on. No, no. <laughs> I, I just want to hear how you try to write the ship so far. What would you do to change a couple of things right now? Hmm. Well, I, like I said, I would start with, uh, you know, and I know Howie. I don't think it's too involved with you know the game day personnel, but I would like to see the guys that I drafted get more of an opportunity. Let's see what you know. I'm glad Hill got in. But let's see, you know, let's see a package of plays for Jalen Hurts. Let's see him, you know, catch the ball or, or run the ball or wildcat the ball. Do something to justify taking him in the second round. Let's see what Sean Bradley can do. Um, throw Kayvon Wallace out there until Will Parks is ready to come back. We saw Drake Driscoll. He looked promising. But you have Lane Johnson back. Um, good depth piece now for Driscoll. Uh, but, you know, I would want to see what the guys I drafted can do. Um and then I guess beyond that, I would keep a real close eye on the trade market. You know, you have the trade deadline that comes up in, uh, I guess, the end of October. Uh, are you going to be a buyer or a seller? So you need to start looking around at the personnel that's out there. Who might want, you know, a defensive tackle? You know, Fletcher Cox, you'd hate to trade Cox. It would really be a shock wave sent through that locker room. But, you know, Zach Ertz, do you look to trade him? Do you look to start building some draft capital going into the 2021 draft. Um, so I would start to look around to see what teams are deficient in some of the areas that you're strong in, that I'm strong in, uh, as well as if I'm going to be a buyer, uh, who's going to be out there on a team that might be ready to pack it in that w- will trade me something that can help me in some of my areas of weakness, you know, and maybe I start looking at linebacker, you know, it's a position that Howie's devalued. Um, and we've seen that Listen, you you got to tackle these guys. You have to find someone that can tackle the ball carrier in a division that has Ezekiel Elliott. You had Saquon Barkley tour, until he tore his ACL, but you need someone that can play physical up front and that can get off a block and make a tackle. So maybe I start paying attention to the linebacker. As far as immediate help, I don't know what I could do other than say, let's see what my rookies can do. Let's see what this class that I brought in can do. I drafted 10 players. Let's start using some of them in, in roles other than special teams. Do you bring in an offensive coordinator? Uh, I, I don't really see any in-coaching uh, changes. I mean, Doug is, in effect, the offensive coordinator. He calls the plays. Um, it could be a mistake in hindsight, bringing in, you know, an offensive consultant, a senior offensive coach. I mean, all these different guys that they brought in to kind of muddy the waters. Um, how effective is the coaching communication, getting getting the right play called at the right time? I mean, you know, that might have been a mistake, but I don't see any coaching moves happening in season. That would be oh, yeah, kind yeah. of against what the Eagles did. That's why when Chip Kelly got canned, it was a shock because it came with one game left in the season back in 2015. And that's not usually the way they operate, but they were so fed up with Chip that they wanted him out pronto. Immediately, so yeah. Yeah. So that's why they canned him. But I don't I don't see any coaching changes happening in happening in season. Neither do I. I would just think in this offseason, I would be interested to see how they look at offensive coordinator this time around now. Because, I mean, again, this is such an early reaction because they're only 0-2. But uh, a lot of of fans seem to think Frank Wright had this huge influence on this this team that Doug's missing him, in fact. Uh, So that's why I proposed that question to you. But do you think there is some merit to that? Well, here's what Frank Wright – brought to the Eagles uh, back when they won the Super Bowl. And that was a a voice that Doug wasn't uh, wary of listening to. Doug took a lot of counsel from Frank Reich. And they were the last two 
coaches to look at the game plan before they went to bed the night of a game or the, the night before a game when everything was already put together, when you know all the other cooks had their hand and their say in what the game plan was going to look like, it was Doug and Frank that sat down and went over it with a fine-tooth comb and put some new wrinkles in if they felt it was needed, tweaked a couple things here and there. But those two had a great relationship, a great rapport where they were comfortable with one another. Uh, they did; they weren't threatened by each other. You know, they were very confident in who they were and what their roles were, and that's. That's the, it's like a consigliere, you know, with the Godfather, you know, that, that voice that you listen to. Um, and that's what Frank Reich was to Doug Peterson. You know, he was his consigliere. Those guys worked hand in hand to craft the best game plan they could. They would work into the early morning hours looking at that thing, just the two of them, talking about that, talking about life, talking about everything other than the game plan, too. So, you know, that kind of friendship and that kind of relationship is what Frank Reich brought um, to the Eagles. And that's what, Doug doesn't have. He didn't have that relationship with Mike Grow. I don't think he has it with Rich Scangarello, who um, they hired to bring in. I, you know, I wonder if he has it with Press Taylor, who's just, you know, he's a thirty-something-year-old. That, you know, you wonder how much Doug respects what he's saying. Um, whereas Frank Reich and Doug, they were contemporaries. You know, they were both backup quarterbacks, um, and, and they worked terrific together. I mean, that's that's the kind of chemistry that they had in that coaching room that they don't have right now. Yeah, I mean, I could see that being a problem. At least he had somebody that he could bounce his yeah, script off right. of and see if he thinks it's right. Uh, and I, Dakota yeah. mentioned something earlier in the comments, too, about the lack of no John D. Filippino anymore affecting Carson Wentz. Uh, he doesn't have I, – I think this is more of an assumption than anything, but from the general public. But he doesn't have that guy, that quarterback coach that pushes him anymore. Uh BLG, uh, Bling Green Nation reported that Press Taylor and Carson are just buddy buddies. They, there's right. nobody that's really pushing Carson anymore. Do you think that's a problem? Do you think that's a real thing? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I mean, Filippo didn't want to be your friend. I mean, he was your coach. You know, it's the same with a boss and employer relationship. You you have to draw the line if you're the boss. You can't get buddy buddy with your employers or your employees. Um, and it's the same with with uh, Filippo and Carson. You know, Filippo made sure Carson was listening, put things in. And same with Frank Reich. You know, Reich had a big hand uh, in that game planning too with with Carson. And, and Carson, I don't think, liked some of the input, but he, he went along with it. So, again, it comes down to Carson. Is he really communicating? Is he really hearing the message that the Eagles are trying to give to him? Or is he just kind of going out there and just trying to do too much and trying to be a hero on every play and hit a home run whenever he can? I mean, to me um, – they need to find somebody with a, a voice that is more experienced. And, and it was kind of a curious move to put press, I think, in that role as a quarterback's coach. I, I didn't quite understand it because they are the same age. You know, I think you'd rather have a voice that's, you know, like a Mike Caldwell. You know, they talked to Mike Caldwell about coming mm-hmm. in. Um, I'd like to have seen that. Um, but, yeah, I think that's an issue. I think you need more of a veteran, experienced voice to get through to Carson. And if he doesn't like what you're telling him, well, that's tough. You're going to do it or you're going to be on the bench. you know. But I think Carson maybe feels like he's just got the free reign to do whatever whatever pleases him. And he's the guy out there with the ball in his hand. And the head coach the head coach allows that, though. That's the thing. That's yeah. where I've always I've, – I've said it multiple times this week on this podcast. I said it to you when we recorded on Saturday. My worry is what Doug Peterson is, yeah. whereas when he had Nick Foles, he knew his limitations, and he he basically game-planned his whole entire system around Nick Foles' limitations. With Carson, there's a belief, which 
he's shown time and time again he could play like a top ten caliber quarterback, regardless what on the trolls want to say about him, regardless what people want to say about him. It's it's the truth. He's played like a top ten caliber quarterback, but. I do think there is some issue. There is some disconnect between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz where Doug just thinks Carson is good enough to let him play the game the way he wants to play it. I think that's not a good approach. Right. I don't think Bill Belichick had that approach with Tom Brady. No, no, no. In fact, you know, but Belichick wouldn't call him out in public like um, Arians did in Tampa. But behind the scenes in those meetings, you know, Belichick and Brady would they, you know, they would go at it. They would both voice their opinions, and it was Belichick's way in the end because he was the coach. Um, Brady didn't like it, but he went along with it. And, you know, when you hear Doug talk about you don't want a contentious relationship between play caller and, and quarterback like he talked about today, that's that's a worry. You know, he, he wants it to be, you know, like a father's – I don't even want to say father-son because, you know, fathers can be tough on their sons. But it, it's more like that buddy-buddy buddy, yeah. Yeah, approach. And, listen – I don't know what's wrong with being contentious and, you know, okay, so you're not playing well. Well, this is why you're not doing this. You're not doing that instead of, well, let's try and do it this way. You know what I mean? Like you have to be firm in that room. And, you know, uh, Carson Wentz, an alpha mentality. We all know that. Um, And unless you have somebody with an alpha mentality dealing with him, he's going to run roughshod over you, I think. And I hate to say these kind of things, but this is kind of way it looks for me. Uh, When I look at what Doug said today and the way Carson's playing is it's just, I don't know how coachable it is at this point. It's the truth. It's it's because it's weird that Doug has such emphasis on. Well, you know, you have to have your limits of how you criticize a player yeah, when, yeah. when it comes to Carson. It's weird. It's it's you're dealing with a fifth year player here. You're not dealing with a rookie quarterback. Right. I think that's weird. I don't know why he has because it's not like you guys are making him say that. He's just because he said it on WIP. And then he goes into that press conference and he says the same thing. He's the one who's emphasizing that I want to be m- more buddy buddy with my quarterback than I do want to be a dictator. Yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. And again, it's it's speculation, and we're just reading the tea leaves here. But I think there's there's something to it. I really do. And you see, Carson. I've never you- I've never heard Bill Bill Walsh go into a press conference and say. I want to have a, a coddling type relationship with my quarterback. I've never heard Bill Belichick say. It. I've never heard yeah. Sean Payton say it about Drew Brees. That's that's you guys are the two leaders of the team. You shouldn't be buddy buddy. You should be trying to make each other better. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean uh, that's the thing is you don't want resentment. This I'm I'm looking at the transcript now, and it's you know he doesn't want to have an attack style with his quarterback. You don't want resentment between the quarterback and the play caller. You want to have an open dialogue. Um, so he's afraid that if he's stepping on Carson's toes, that open dialogue is going to shut down, uh, is what it sounds like to me. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of interesting to hear him talk like that as he, he just wants to kind of be uh old buddy, buddy with Carson and, and not make any waves. And that's, it's not working. Literally you and I on Saturday are laughing about this Tony Pauline report. Now I'm like, what's going on with Doug Peterson? He does not sound like Doug Peterson at all. And Mark has a good question that I think I I know the answer to personally, but I'm interested to see how you feel about it. Uh, do you think Doug's on the hot seat of the season's a wash? Well, you know, I thought Doug might have been on the hot seat last year unless they won those last four games or, you know, because I know they had injuries and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, he's under contract through 2022. And, you know, listen, if they go 4-11, and 11, I know – Lurie gave Andy Reid every opportunity to try to right the ship, and, and Andy just couldn't do it. And Andy really wanted to try to do it, even after the 
you know, right before they fired him. Um, but listen, Doug won a Super Bowl that buys him, I think, some time. Uh, yes. You know, I think with two years left on his deal, it probably gets him another year. Um, but again, let's see how this whole thing winds up. Uh, 0-2 right now. It's not inconceivable if they go 5-11. and 11, And the schedule looks pretty tough. Uh, that that's a legitimate question. Should he be brought back? I think right now that they would bring him back, but you know, check back in November, check back at Thanksgiving and we'll see where that stands. I'm with you there. I think the trophy buys him time, but I will say Jeffrey Lurie is the type of owner that is not quick to deal with mediocrity. If he feels this team is better than they performed, he will make changes. And he did this past off season. That was really Lurie's choice to get rid of Mike Rowe. So I, I want to say no because of the trophy, but if they if they go five and eleven, man, with all I mean, they go out and get Darius Slay. They finally get the number one corner that we begged for. They get Javon Hargrave. They get the defensive tackle too. They believe that's going to be the, the the transcendent talent to add next to Cox. All the moves they made. If if they go ahead and, and go five and eleven, there's I mean, if it's not Doug, it's going to be Howie or it's going to be Jim. It's, it's somebody big named is going to be out of there. Yeah, it could be Jim, depending on the defense. This defense has to right itself. Um, they're giving up points in the in the red zone like ridiculous. You know, seven seven for nine, they've given up touchdowns to opponents going into that red zone. I mean, that's that's a problem. They're not getting turnovers. That has been a problem under Schwartz now for uh, a number of years. So yeah, it could be Jim that that gets uh, shown the door here. Um, and again, they just revamped that offensive staff. I mean, how many more moves can you make on that coaching staff? You know, you just brought in Scandrello and Morningweg and you, Andrew Briner, and then, you know, you brought in Aaron Moorhead. Um, you know, you elevated Press Taylor. You gave more responsibility to Jeff Stoutland. I mean, they, uh, you know, how many more moves can you make just a year after making moves on the assistant coaching staff from the offensive side? Uh, it, it's a great question, and it's one that, you, you know, sitting here, you know <laughs> – Two games into the season, it's tough to answer. But again, check back in November. Let's see how this season unwinds and uh, if Doug deserves to bring to be brought back for one more crack at the uh, crack at this. I don't know that uh, answer right now. Yeah, it's too early to even figure out right now. If they yeah. if they if they squeak into the playoffs like they did last year and the year prior, he's not go, he's not going anywhere. I'm, that's another thing. If they do that, I. It just depends how the defense finishes the season because if yeah. even if they do that, I think Jim Schwartz is still on the chopping block. They've yeah. too much money invested there, and I think if you're Howie Roseman and you're Jeffrey Lurie, you're thinking to yourself, "We finally added that number one corner. This shouldn't be like this." Right, so, but now do I, you have to look at the linebackers. I mean, are, are, you know, do they self evaluate themselves with their decision making to bring in nobody at linebacker? Um, see, you know, and a lot of people blame Howie for that. I blame Jim. Because I just remember last year a strong report going out, and I knew somebody in I know somebody that is in the Eagles scouting department who backed this report about them wanting Jamie Collins. That's the linebacker they were in on, and then Jim goes into the office and says, "No, Zach Brown. We need to go after Zach Brown." And then they signed Zach Brown, and you already know how that went. It won't last a couple weeks. I yep. think the devaluation of linebackers isn't in the Harry Roseman thing. I'm not sure Harry Roseman knows how to draft linebackers though. That's another discussion for a different show, but mm-hmm. I think that's there. He's again, Harry Roseman doesn't make the moves on the defense. Jim Schwartz does. 
Yeah, it's it's his call. It's like, okay, how do you want to run your defense? What do we need? And Jim gives them his list, and they go out and try to satisfy that list. But you're right. I mean, it's a Jim Schwartz, the emphasis on the linebacking position. He had Malcolm Jenkins kind of covering for him all those years. And now, you know, you hope Will Parks is going to be that guy. Once he's able to return, he can play a lot of different spots. Um, but that's kind of what they need. That's the way Jim's defense runs, and it's not linebacker-driven. Um, and right now it's looking like that's that's a mistake. Yeah, Dakota thinks Jim has overstayed his welcome. Yeah, yeah. But, well, I mean, I that's a, a lot, yeah. a lot of Eagles fans are thinking that right now. All right, Ed, yeah. so I'm sure we'll talk on Saturday as we usually do, and yep. we'll probably feel a lot more better going into that matchup as well. But right now, do you think this team can beat the Bengals? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I mean, it would, it would be great if there were fans there. I, would, I think they would have had a better chance against the Rams and certainly Joe Barrow coming into this type of, of an environment. I know he played in some big ones at LSU, but um, this kind of environment, that would have made a difference. Uh, but it's not there. The Eagles are going to have to find a way to, uh, you know, do some soul searching and go out there and get the job done. And I think they have a lot of prideful players on this defense. And I think they'll find a way to get it done. Uh, I really do. I mean, uh, um, I'm not panicking yet. I know it's 0-2, and there is something to, you know, no preseason with this team and no OTAs, and maybe the Eagles handled it wrong and how they approached it. Um, But I still believe. I still think they're going to find a way to write this, uh, beat the Bengals, then you go to San Francisco, who's really banged up. They lost um, Nick Bosa to the ACL and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. So, I mean, now you're facing a banged-up 49ers team. Uh, and then we'll see. Then if that gets you to 2-2, two and two, then we'll see where we're at going. I guess who's next? Pittsburgh, maybe? Um, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, right after yeah, that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's tough. a tough, tough It is a tough grind. schedule. But if you can get the 3-3, three and three, you know, we'll, we'll see how things look then. And and I it starts, though, with Sunday with the Bengals. And, yeah, I, right now sitting here just – 24 or 36 hours after the loss to the Rams, I think they can beat Cincinnati. I think they can too, so hopefully that does happen. All right, we'll talk to you on Saturday. Everybody, this episode of Eagles Brawl will be on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Ed, we'll see you on Saturday. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.